the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is, and welcome back as we head into Hour 2. It is a delight, as promised, to bring back on someone who may be able to save us from this entire mess we've been talking about for some time. She is Shiri Sapir. She is running for superintendent of public instruction here in Arizona. Let me give you her Twitter account. You can follow her at S-H-I-R-Y-S-A-I-R. Her website, electshirisapir.com, S-H-I-R-Y-S-A-P-I-R, electshirisapir.com. Shiri, thanks for coming back on. I know you've been busy, and we want you to be busy because we have a lot to fix, don't we? Oh, my goodness, don't we? Thank you so much for having me on. No, thanks for standing up and doing what you're doing. Just as we were beginning to get our hands around everything transpiring in the Scottsdale Unified School District, I got to work today, opened my email, and saw what was going on at the Paradise Valley at Horizon High School. Right. Uh, I don't even know how to handle that on radio. I'll do my best. We'll get to it. Mm-hmm. Let's handle the Scottsdale first. Right. At least it won't get me in trouble with the um, FCC. Tell me the story of Scottsdale Unified right now, or as it's been going on for about a month. All right, so Scottsdale is... Um you know, I mean, it made national news. Most people know exactly what's going on uh, with, the, with the story. But at the end of the day, when we had the meeting, the special meeting that was um, uh, convened a couple of days ago, I can't even remember what day it is anymore, uh, we were hoping that uh, the resignation of young Michael Greenberg was going to be discussed. In, he, he's the president of the board, right? Yes, he's yeah. the president. Right. So on the agenda, they had couple of items. One of them was to appoint another president, which that did get done. Uh, so at least he's not a president anymore. But as far as his resignation, they did not take a vote. Now, it's important that people understand that even if he if they took the vote, they cannot force him to resign. Mm-hmm. The only way for him to be removed from office if he decides to resign or if he's getting recalled. But um, he, of course, did not... Um, uh, put out his resignation, if anything, he didn't even apologize for any of what uh, the whole weekend was out in the media. It was really unbelievable to watch, actually. He basically said, there are some bad actors, uh, I welcome the investigation, and I'm looking forward to continue to uh, work uh, for your children. No apology whatsoever. So we were all very upset. Naturally, this was not the outcome we were expecting. Um, but maybe we're not surprised anymore because they're holding on to power with all their hearts. So, um, and, and is it too strong to say, Shiri, is it too strong to say that basically what these school board members, or at least the president of the school board member, had at his access was personal information and reportage on parents 
who disagreed with the actions of the school board. That's what he had access to. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, we don't know if this would be considered criminal or not. Uh, but if, at the very least, this is unethical and should have never happened. But um, but I don't think he... He thinks that way. No, I, but it, it could very well rise to the level of criminality. I, I, I can think of about four different laws it, mm-hmm. could, it could lead to. And it's certainly not what we expect. But we do maybe need to expect this in a sense. Let me run this thought by you. You've, you've, you, you are running for superintendent. You've spent a lot of time, obviously, in schools. I think you'll appreciate what I'm saying. But schools, every school, every individual school has its own shall we say, climate, temperature, culture, if you will. And it's kind of led from the principal on down. And I think that's true if you expand to every institution in America. Public education now has kind of its own culture, has its own climate, if you will, not just each individual school. And when you, col- when you put the law and education together, you have a climate set by the principal. The principal is the Attorney General of the United States, in this case, Merrick Garland. He had issued a report that it should be the policy of the Department of Justice and it should be promulgated that FBI, along with local law enforcement, should be surveilling parents at these kinds of school board meetings. It's not that long of a line from that statement, that desire, that dissemination to what these local officials might be doing by picking up those cues in that culture, in that climate that was set by the Department of Justice. Exactly. And that is where we're not sure, right? Uh, we had so many issues with him <clears throat> throughout the years. <clears throat> so part of me thinks that this is just himself doing that because he he's just vindictive this way. However, the timing is curious. And so, um, That's, and I don't right. think this is an isolated right. incident throughout the country or even Arizona, to be honest with you. We actually know of some other things that happen in Chandler and in other places. So, um, Peoria's, it, Peoria's it, coming it, on my radar screen a bunch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's, we're having a problem and this will change for as long as that culture and leadership is such that they have to protect the system against the customers, against the parents. For as long as this is the status quo, we shouldn't expect anything less than what we're seeing unfold right now. And that must change. We're talking to Sherry Sapir. She is running for superintendent of public education, public instruction. com is her website. And when you go to that website, I think... One of the things I have appreciated most and what has been appreciated by people I have shared your candidacy with is the section, uh, uh, the tab that talks about you, about what you're, why you're running and, and the issues. And they all thank you very much for putting up that part of parental control and the Parents' Bill of Rights because it's an interesting – part of the Arizona Revised Statute, the Parents' Bill of Rights, that most people don't know. And it includes the right to direct the education of minor children by the upbringing of the parents. That's what it says. That's what the Parents' Bill of Rights says. It is the parents' duty to be in charge in the upbringing of their children. It is not the state. It is not Terry McAuliffe. Yeah. Notice they're using the word upbringing, not just education. Right. So the statute 
recognizes the role that parents play in the character development of their children. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and yes, this statue is being violated left and right. There's absolutely no doubt about it at this point. So, um, uh, and until we make this, uh, not only this is the law already, so what, what's the next step? It's compliance. Right. And until we make Enforcement it, and compliance, that, yeah. Right. Exactly. Until somebody is interested in enforcing the law, uh, parents are left without their rights being exercised. Sherry, when you do public uh, talks, presentations, I'm going to guess you do a fair amount, which in in you know in conservative circles. But even even in those or or, or those that may not be conservative circles, there are people who disagree with you. I'm sure and. Uh, and, and and they speak up, or they write about you, or they tweet about you. Um, the 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 things they say, I think, are very well represented by something that was captured in a column by Lori Roberts a couple days ago in the Arizona Republic on this Scottsdale story. I don't know if you had a chance to read her column on it, but she quotes a parent who doesn't agree with you and me, who is on the other side, and the parent who is on the other side, is quoted as saying this. They, meaning you and me, our side, prefer our history whitewashed and our kids and gender assigned at birth bathrooms. We want to control curriculum and teachers and ensure that children are never made to feel uncomfortable about our history. We want to hear both sides of things like the Holocaust and that Christian values are upheld, close quote. I have to tell you, I, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. That, that's, that, there was a lot that hit me. That was a new one. I have never yeah, heard yeah. in 30 years of being involved in federal education policy, I have never heard anyone this week, last week, this year, last year, or any time before ever speak about the desire to teach both sides of the Holocaust. Have you? I know. No, maybe they should invite Trump since he's the uh, epitome of neo-Nazi <laughs> right. in America. That's what they have maybe in mind. Uncensor him and let him tweet about the Holocaust. There you go. He said, "No, this is this is how absurd this is." I want to con- I want to go through more of this with you. I want to do paradise. Do you have a little time for me? I got to take a commercial break. Can you stay a bit? Absolutely. That would be great. We're talking to Sherry Sapir. She is candidate for superintendent of public instruction here in Arizona. Follow her on Twitter at Sherry Sapir. S H I R Y S A P I R. And she's happy to take calls from you as well if you want to weigh in with her or ask her a question, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Sharice Sapir is our guest. She is candidate for Arizona superintendent. Her website is electsharicesapir.com, S-H-I-R-Y-S-A-P-I-R. Sherry, I was hoping I could just stay with Scottsdale for a second with you because I think it exposes a lot of the things we are laboring under or laboring uh, to understand. Um. I think we, it's fair to say, have done a pretty deep dive. I'll speak for myself. You can speak for yourself. I've done a pretty deep dive on critical race theory. I've been doing it for 30 years, actually. I'm, I'm pretty well familiar with it, and I've done more since uh, since over the last couple of years. I, I'm assuming you, too, are, are, are pretty well uh, steeped in understanding critical race theory. What I don't think is that those who oppose us or who support it 
what I don't think – I don't think they understand us or what we're saying or what our perspective is. And the reason I say that is the first thing you often hear from their side is the first thing you heard from this this parent in the Lori Roberts column, that we want the history whitewashed. I've never wanted history whitewashed. Have you? Absolutely not. No, this is not about erasing history. Actually, if you taught history properly, you will not have Americans taking down statues of Lincoln in this country because they will be celebrating the fact that he took a shot to his head because he wanted to abolish slavery. It's a fact. I don't know how anyone can refute that fact. So if if you want to teach history, please do so. But they're not teaching history. They're not teaching facts. They're teaching perspective. They opine in the classroom. And that's not the place to opine. If you want to be a commentator, go and be a commentator. You're not. You're a teacher. And so, uh, you know, just like just what you just said with the Holocaust, having, you know, listening to both sides, some point there is wrong and right. Yep. And when they're trying to blur, um, and they do in everything, right? I mean, they're really making us, and this is what's so fascinating about what we're going through right now as a society, that they're making us uh, doubt and question things that we, in, in our very soul, know to be true and correct and right and moral. And, and, and it's really fascinating to see how the process can be implemented if you just continue through that indoctrination and the doubt. You keep questioning people. You know, that's why they, you know, they're talking about critical race theory. There is the microaggression. So it's the things that you say or think, you know, it's the it's white um, fragility. It's all of these terms that they come up with that are not quite, you know, right in your face, but they keep making us doubt ourselves all the time. And it's very dangerous because these are very impressionable little minds, and they take it in. Well, it's hugely it – yeah, I, I agree with all of that. And it, and it's an amazing thing to me that that people, smart people, think it's a good idea to flood the brain of a five-year-old or a six-year-old with topics racial and sexual – it's amazing to me that smart people think that's a good idea unless they have a propagandizing agenda. Quite honestly, there is no reason smart? to teach kids about gender and race issues at age five unless there is a propagandizing direction to it. That's my view. But they're not smart. The fact that they are maybe educated or they might have PhDs or double degree in this, that, or the other, that does not make someone smart. And that's, that's the myth that we need to break as a society. The fact that you have PhD in child development doesn't mean you understand what child development is because if you're putting a mask on these children who are nonverbal for a year and a half, maybe you don't know something, right? So I, I don't know if I would categorize all of them as smart. I, I think you're right to point that out. I think you're right to point that out, and I think there's maybe three classes here, uh, three um Three levels. That's a better way to put it. Three levels. To see if you agree with me on this. Not that you have to. There's the level of those that do know what they're doing. You know, they are propagandizing for an ideological purpose, and they know that the best way to do so is through our children. I think there's that element, that level. I think there's a second level of people that you just described that just aren't that smart, 
quite frankly. And then there's a third level, and it's the one – it's the third level I worry most about. It's the parent that isn't that political or that conscientious of the political goings-on in pedagogy and in instruction or really, frankly, anywhere else. They're doing their best to get along, go along, get their bills paid, go to work, drop their kids off, make sure they're happy, safe, and healthy – and may occasionally hear something on the radio or on CNN or in the Arizona Republic, occasionally, and then sees what's going on in the schools and says, oh, yeah, I heard about this. This is a good idea. I'm glad my school is getting on board. I worry about that parent, the one who doesn't really know what's underlying all this, but hears in the culture that we should be reframing education along the lines of race and gender and thinks that's a good idea because the culture tells them it is without them, you know, spending a lot of time. That's the parent I worry about. I don't know if you agree with that or if you think about that, think about it in those terms. Uh, Yes, absolutely. I agree. And the problem is that a lot of these people you know, they struggle to make ends meet, and, and you can't blame them for not People not say, well, you should be engaged, you know. In the right, you can't blame them for not doing what you and I do. Let's, that, that's a way to put it, right? Exactly. Right, right, I mean, right, not everybody right, right. Has, has the option to do that. So what is our resp- collective responsibility, you know, Democrats love collective responsibility. Let's collectively be responsible to inform people right now because, there's never such a time as this in America, I don't think, that education was in the forefront of political campaigns. Uh, of Practically every time I turn on the, the radio or the television, there is something about education somewhere in this country. So if there was any better time than today, uh, you know, to, to really bring this out and inform these parents. And a lot of people, you know, when you talk to them about this, they dismiss you. They, they can't believe so shocking to them. Uh, that's why what we're going to talk about soon about the Paradise Valley uh, District fiasco. I, I posted today a video, and I read from the um, from the book that these children received the assignments for. Mm-hmm. And it's profanity. It's words that, as we discussed, we cannot even use here on on the radio. Yeah, uh, yeah, we got to get to that. I've been struggling with how to um, deal with the story, but we'll deal with it in a way. We're, I, I'm putting it off, but we'll get there. <laughs> we'll see how well we do. We'll see how many fines uh, Jim Ryan and Salem have to take for discussing this topic in a few moments. Before we get there, uh, Shiri, I, um, I, I have a caller, Elliot in Phoenix, who would like to uh, ask or raise a question with you. Elliot, you're on with uh, Shiri Sapir. Great timing um, about critical race theory. And um, as we were uh, ending the conversation, um, we were talking about why the fraud of, uh, of the, um, you know, are they, their propaganda called Breaking Stalin's Nose. Have you ever heard of that or read it? No, uh-uh. I don't know. Breaking it. Stalin's Nose or, and then another one, A Night Divided. Okay. And you talked a little bit about Russia and whatnot, and both books have an element of Russia in it, in I'm, I'm hitting a break, Elliot. You got a quick question for Cherie? Yeah. Do you have a question? Oh, no, I was just going to comment that uh, direction things might be going. Oh, the direction things are going. All right, I'll, I'll pursue that with Cherie on the other side of this break. And folks are welcome to call in with questions for her, too. 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. We 
Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Cherie Sapir is our guest. She is a candidate for superintendent of public instruction, and her website is electsherisapir.com, elect, S-H-I-R-Y-S-A-P-I-R. I want to go to some other issues in a moment with you, Sheree, uh, uh, but before we do, we gotta we got to try and talk about what we've uncovered, uh, what you have uncovered, what has been brought to your attention in the Paradise Valley School District, particularly at Horizon High School. Let me say this, um, and, and, and I don't think we need to go further, but if, if you need to, you feel free. But children are being assigned, some children are being assigned uh, graphic excerpts to read in a reading assignment that depicts in graphic terminology, that is to say, wording I legally cannot use over these public airwaves to describe bestiality acts between humans and animals. Is that a fair way to describe it? That's as gentle as we could have described That's it. That's as gentle as I can be, yeah. Yes. And when I saw some of the, I mean, I, I can't even explain, when I read some of the excerpts, of this book, right? I was shocked. Yep. I, I can't even. It was shocking. These are eleventh grade. I, I didn't know this kind of language was available for adults. To be honest with you, uh, you know, I mean, one would argue that it. I don't know who are these people and authors who write these things. Right. Right. But you know, there is no academic purpose for this. We all can agree on that. Um, there's a lot of books in the world. We can agree on that as well. For these teachers to choose specifically this book to bring it in front of the kids and have assignments, I'm still waiting to receive. Um, I'm hoping to get from some of the students to actually see the assignments they wrote and see what they submitted. Yeah, I'm, I'd like. I'm yeah, really that's curious. a good. Yeah, I am too. Would you send it to me? The I, discussion. I, yeah, you feel free to black out write? the names. I'd love to see them too. Please send them to me. Yeah. Yes, because it is unbelievable to even think about what they may or may not have have written about this. Yeah. It's just it's impossible to to even um, describe. So. All I would say is this, what happened in Paradise Valley, and just so you know, that book was already uh, addressed a couple of years ago, and the district said they will not uh, have that available anymore. So it's come back. And these teachers have brought it back. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And that's very concerning. And just for your audience, just so you understand, uh, what you describe right now is not the worst. Oh, book. there's worse than what I saw? Okay. <laughs> All right. A lot more. All right. And, and I want to also point out to something that I have noticed, to the pattern with indoctrination. It's not just bringing up pornographic and explicit sexual content and uh, murders and murderers and, and very graphic description of really bad actions that people should be in jail for. It's they repeatedly, after they describe these actions and acts, they always kind of let them know that they will be okay. These people are never really, um, there's no consequence to their actions. Yeah. Right? They never go to jail. They encourage them to do these things, and they describe how they're going to be okay. So um, that's probably one of the things that we really need to pay attention to because this um, it's not just the content, it's, the underlying message, the subliminal message, that it's okay. And that's what's concerning. 
You know, it's an interesting office you're running for, uh, Shiri. Um, it's a really interesting office because at its best, it's used as a strong bully pulpit to raise awareness about things, to take the megaphone and amplify the issues, particularly on behalf of those who are being shut out or shut down, parents, parental rights, that sort of thing. It can be used for good or for ill. Uh, I think we, sh- we reshaped education in Arizona when we've had good superintendents who took that bully pulpit and used it well. I'm thinking of people like uh, Lisa Keegan, uh, and I'm thinking that we haven't had one like that in a long time and that that will be one of the most important things you can do. You can raise these things. You can instruct and educate uh, the public uh, about education because public education is more than the schools. It's about educating the public. And I think the teachers unions forget that. I think these school boards forget that. And I think an awful lot of ideological, uh, ideological uh, political players forget that. And I wonder if when we come back, we can talk about what you talk about on your website, setting a new tone. That includes not only accountability, but yes, rewards, including teacher pay. Can we talk a little bit about that when we come back? Absolutely. Thank you. I'm Seth Liebson. She is Shiri Sapir. She is running for superintendent of public education. Please elect her. Please, for the sake of our children and our society, electshirisapir.com is her website. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Shiri Sapir is our guest. She's running for superintendent of public instruction. You can follow her on Twitter at Shiri Sapir, S-H-I-R-Y-S-A-P-I-R. It's really a fantastic website, too, that you have, electshirisapir.com, Shiri, because it um, very simply lays out your priorities and what you want to do as superintendent. We talked about restoring parental rights and control. In fact, just merely complying with the law would do it. Um, but talk to us a little bit about accountability and teacher pay as well, which you go into. Uh, you're singing my song the way you write it up, but uh, tell the rest of the audience your views on teacher pay and accountability. Sure. You know, um, the progressive agenda has always been to keep teacher's pay a perpetual campaign uh, issue because it works. It, uh, you know, we are always in support of teachers and and funding the education system, and so they've used this for years. However, and you have to see, you know, there was some referendum on that notion, uh, with or without me, just in the past, uh, just in November, yeah. when they were trying to pass some of the overrides, and, right. uh, and and it was really amazing to see Queen Creek didn't allow for it, um, some of the other large districts. So people are paying more attention right now. And we understand that when they're asking us for more money, that does not mean that it goes to the teacher or the classroom. It means that it goes to the system as a whole. And usually that would be the administrators and, of course, the expensive curriculum that they're buying right now that has everything to do with equity, diversity, inclusion, and other political propaganda and ideology that they're bringing into the school. It has nothing to do with paying more to the the teachers or making the academic experience of our children any more uh, uh, elevated. Yeah. So what is, how do we fix this? Okay, I, I'm talking to a lot of teachers. I actually have a teachers committee in my campaign because 
this is a lot of the teachers have gone through with the red parade movement mm-hmm. you know and i'm talking to a lot of them and i'm trying to understand what's the reason that you supported that movement what's the reason that you left the classroom and left your children behind um you know in protest and that's again that goes back you see the more you peel the layers it goes back to the educators' colleges, the teachers' colleges. Yep. This is what they're indoctrinating and teaching them already there, the victimizing of, of everyone, right? Yep. The teachers, us, we're all victims. This is, a, this is a, the mental state that they want us all to be in. Well, but that's not true. Every time they came to the taxpayers with Proposition uh, 301, Proposition 123, even Proposition 208, which I personally voted against, but... It got got through, even though it's being challenged right now in the court. Uh, we gave them more money. Ducey gave them the 20 by 2020 raise. The problem is that the school district, you know, the way the system works is that the legislature dumps the money on the Department of Education. They dump the money <clears throat> on the school board. And then the school boards have the um, discretion as to how they spend the money. There's really no accountability. There's no mechanism to know where the money goes. And some of them decided to give raises to their teachers, and their teachers were happy. And many of them decided not to. And so that's something that we I'm going to have to work with the legislature. We need to have some mechanism in the way the system works, where when the legislature says the money is going for teachers' pay, that's where it's going to pay, to go. And if not, it goes back to the to the to the legislature. It goes back to the general fund, because otherwise, this this is going to be an ever-ending cycle. The teachers are not going to be happy, and we're going to keep hearing them complaining about it. And really, there is no merit. And and it's not really their fault in a sense, right? Because you've heard this as as much as I've heard it. I've heard from teacher after teacher, you know, Seth, we were – we were promised big raises after Arizona approved the lottery. We were promised big raises after the casinos uh, were brought in. We were promised uh, – you hear this in other states – we were promised big money once we legalized marijuana and the tax revenue from that. Uh, none of these – we were promised big money and raises when each bond override uh, was voted upon, and it doesn't get there. They don't see it. The teachers don't see it. It's not their fault. No. No, and a lot of it, too – it's not just that teachers pay, you know, with the bureaucracy that comes with working for the government. They have so many, so much paperwork, so much bureaucracy that they have to do yeah. where you don't see that as much in the charter school or the private school. So those teachers are a lot happier because they don't have that burden that they spend hours on a week away from their children, number one. So there's no value whatsoever for the child because the teacher is not busy with them. Right. She's busy with bureaucracy. Right. And B, it exhausts these teachers. Yep. And there is, again, no value because we know that the government doesn't do anything as efficiently or economically as the private sector does. So the system needs to be looked at as a whole and say, you know what, um, it works for other teachers outside of the public schools. Why doesn't it work for the teachers in the public schools? And I'm telling you, I mean, there's so many simple things that I'm uncovering right now as I go through the process because I am not an educator, so I've never been a teacher or I never got paid as a teacher. But when I'm looking at their paycheck, you know, their health insurance, the statute actually says that they are eligible for uh, state health insurance. A lot of these school boards don't give them health state insurance. They actually have, you know, third-party private companies. Well, that's something the school boards need to look at because maybe they can save 4 or 5%. 
And that would be an immediate. Oh, I bet they could pool and and save more than that. I bet. I bet you're right. I'm being. Yeah, Yeah, I think you're being conservative. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that's right. I think that's a really good point. And initially, when we looked into this, I didn't even know it was in statute. So we were actually looking into proposing this as a new as a new bill. And then when we looked, oh my goodness, it's already in statute. So. And that's what I want to do as superintendent. I want to do it before, actually, as I'm working through this process right now. We need to have a committee that looks at Title 15, and we need to look at everything that's in there that's important, that's kind of being, you know, Title 15 has been patched so many times because there's a bill and there's amendments and there's this, so many, so many conflicting um, statutes at the end of the day when you look at the, the pro- progression of that idea. It's so convoluted by the end of the day, you, you don't even understand what that is. So. Somebody needs to look at Title 15. We need to pull out the things that are for the teachers, for the classroom, for the students, for the parents, and we need to highlight them and make sure everybody understands their rights, their responsibility, the way the system works, and how we can make the system better because um, those who are in charge right now couldn't care about how things work in. All they want to do is keep burdening the teachers and the system with more employees, more administrators. Every school now basically has equity director of some sort, an equity department. One of the things that I will do day one is going to eliminate the equity department that Kathy Hoffman put in place. Why do we why do we spend one hundred twenty thousand dollars on the equity director in the Department of Education and everyone else everyone else underneath her? Yeah, no, it's a tremendous it's a tremendous uh, point you're making, and I, and I just want to also just highlight in case people missed it how steeped in understanding the legislation you are. I think it's fantastic. You bring some of it out on your website. I'm glad you're digging in and proposing to actually require our education system to comply with the law that the people of Arizona has passed. Shiri Sapir, thank you so, so much. Uh, Thank you, Seth, for having me. You betcha. Godspeed. We'll be in touch soon. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. Open lines, your show from here on out. We'll be right back. That's the uh, Trans-Siberian Orchestra. We're giving away tickets uh, this and next week, uh, free tickets to go see them in concert here in Phoenix December 5th. If you'd like two complimentary tickets, uh, give us a call. Uh, the next caller at 602-508-0960 will get them. And if you are not the next caller, don't worry. We have more to give away over the next several days. Ovan is in surprise. Am I saying your name right, sir? I hope so. Yes, uh, good Good afternoon, uh, uh, and uh, it was a pleasure to meet you Tuesday evening at the America for Which It Stands event. Yes, 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 uh, yes, that's right. Thank you for saying so. Thank you. Having ha- a great event, I look forward to more. Thank you. My, what I wanted to follow up on with, uh, with your, the last uh, person you had, uh, moving from California, the home I sold, we had nine school bonds attached to the property tax nine of them, five for the local elementary school district, of which I did not even attend myself, three for the high school district, and two for the community college district. Mm. And nearly every other year that we had voting, we had another billions of dollars of school bonds. Mm -hmm. And these are 20, 30-year school bonds Mm. that we, and 
from my property tax of almost 5000 a year, it was about $1,500 of that property tax just for the schools. Arizona voters, it will never be enough. There will never be enough money for schools. It's going to be oversight. you got to show up. you got to ask for accountability. And you have to tell people, where is this money going? Right. Right. And there's really no excuse for it. Um, We can educate. We should be able to educate students well. Not just educate them, but educate them well for the amount of money we spend on our public school system nationally all in. We're almost we're we're spending almost a, almost a trillion dollars a year on public education, almost a trillion. But when you look at the per pupil spending spending uh, by states with the federal contribution included, we're talking about for in California, where you left last time I looked, we're talking about fourteen thousand dollars or so per pupil. That's what the public spends on public education in California, about fourteen thousand dollars per pupil. Uh, you can send your kid to a very reputable and successful uh, private school uh, in Arizona. Many of those named that I could, uh, for, and people would know it, or within $2,000 send your kid to those schools and get great educations. It's not about the spending. It's not about the inputs. It's about the outputs, isn't it? Right, exactly. And it, it really, you, you want to, you need to demand quality. You need to ask for accountability. I'm not familiar with the system here, but being a homeowner pretty soon, I'm going to start paying those taxes too. Uh, so I, I want to make sure when I build my family, uh, when that happens, that I'm getting the right value for my money. I'm glad. So I'm glad for your call. Uh, I'm you glad know, to it, have met you. Uh, yeah. Welcome to the Thank state you. And, uh, for the second time. I think I yes. welcomed you the other day. <laughs> welcome again. Yes, you did. Yeah, welcome again. <laughs> and help make us better, okay? Will do. Thank you, Take sir. Care. You betcha. Six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. Your hour coming up. Open lines. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.